Welcome to Financial Planning Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, Founder and Owner of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. And one of my associates, Kyle Ryan, is here. Thank you, Kyle, for joining me. Yep. He is also another CFP as part of my organization. Um, we always talk about the different areas of financial planning, and I am really pleased to have a guest on today. We're going to be talking about business succession planning, and ironically, of the six areas, boy, we cover a whole bunch of them in just this <laughs> one area. You figure we're covering retirement planning, we're covering tax planning, and impacts to estate planning, and it certainly has insurance planning associated with it. So uh, we cover a whole bunch of, uh, of areas. Uh, I'm pleased to announce that I've got Steve Goodman as my guest on my show today. Steve is the founder and president and the CEO of SH Goodman uh, Planning, and he's written a book on business succession planning. He's written about 150 articles, including with the New York Times. Steve, thank you for very much for joining us on our show. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Mike. I look forward to it. Good. Well, tell us a little bit more about yourself, whatever beyond what I just kind of threw out there as a quick bio. Well. Uh, when I graduated from college a lot longer ago than I want to remember, uh, I graduated with an undergraduate degree in accounting, <clears throat> went to work for one of the big accounting firms, KPMG, worked there for five years. I'm a CPA, had my MBA in finance, then worked for JP Morgan for about three years as a VP. About 35 years ago, started my firm, SHG Planning, um, and basically I do sophisticated work in business succession and estate planning and uh, risk management planning for high net worth individuals, many of which have closely held family businesses. Right. Well, it's great. You know what? And it's remarkable how many people in, this, uh, in the United States have them. And without a business succession plan, it's remarkable what happens to a lot of these businesses if the owner becomes disabled or dies suddenly. And you know, people don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. And, you know, this is a terrific uh, subject. And the irony of it is that I actually began my business succession plan myself probably a couple years ago. I was looking at the 10 to 15 year plan and I read a book on it. And amazingly, a lot of the things that I've done over the last two years without any specific guidance, I didn't have to start over. I did a lot of the things. What do you find uh, with most of your clients? How far ahead of the time that they're ready to do the planning do they come to you? And I will probably guess that you'd rather that it be a longer period of time. But what do you think is the best amount of time? And what do people normally come to you with? Well, I think generally this is an area that people only come to you when it's too late. Yep. It's usually this is more brought to them. You know, most people push this off. So um, as I tell everybody, everybody has a plan. You may not like the plan, but you have a plan. Even <laughs> when you're young and you start a business, if something happens to you, there's a plan. If, you're, if you die, what's going to happen to your business? Is it going to stick around? Is it not? Is your family going to have adequate resources to live? So even from the first day you start a business, 
there really is a succession plan. Most of the time, it's not a planned plan. It's just what would happen because you've, you've actually have not planned. What, what I tell people, Mike, is that there's two major reasons why people don't plan that I have found. The first reason is entrepreneurs are worried, always worried about putting out fires. You know, I'm a business owner, you're a business owner, the people I consult with are business owners. There's always stuff to deal with every day. So what happens is most business owners cannot take time away from what's needed today to worry about what's needed tomorrow. So it's never a priority. And, and one of the reasons why their accountants, who are their most trusted advisor normally, don't usually do a great job in this space, is every time the accountant meets with the client, if this is on the accountant's agenda, within 10 minutes, it's not on the agenda anymore because there's 16 things that came up in between the last meeting that are more important today so that the client just postpones it again. So that coupled with you need continuity. So even when you start to plan, even when you start the plan, unless you stay with it, it becomes a waste because it takes six months to a year to do it. And every time there's a meeting, there's another excuse to push it off. Right. So that's one big reason. The second big reason is the emotional side. So let's use an example. This isn't the case for me, but let's hypothetically. I have a business. I got three children. One of them's in the business. Two of them's not in the business. I'm 65, 70 years old. My kids are in their 30s. For the last 30 years, I've been reinforcing to my children how I love them all the same. Like I got one a red lollipop, the other gets a red lollipop. This one got a, got a TV in a room, the other one gets a TV in a room. This one gets a cell phone, the other one gets a cell phone. And they play off of you always, kids. And you always tell them, I mean, you know, what parent is not going to tell their kids, I love you all the same, you know? Now what happens is the business owner wakes up at 70 years old and says, you know, I've just spent the last 30-something years telling my kids how I love them the same, and I have a kid in the business, and I have two kids not in the business, and the business is my biggest asset. How am I going to divvy this up? Like I always told them I was going to treat them the same. So am I going to give my business equally to three kids when two of them aren't even in the business? That doesn't seem fair. Right. But then what am I going to do? I don't have enough other assets to give my other kids to treat them fairly. So I run away from the problem because if I actually sit down with my kids and discuss this with them, one or all of them is not going to like where this is going. <laughs> and who's going to like this even less is their spouses. Especially if I have a son, it's going to be my daughter-in-law. And then my daughter-in-law is going to feel like, you know, I never loved your dad to begin with, but like, this is totally unfair, and he's totally not treating you fairly. And to be honest with you, I'm just not going to, I'm not bringing the grandkids to your dad anymore. He's not going to see his grandkids. And as a grandfather, I know how much that would bother me. So most, most people don't want that to happen. So what happens is they don't plan. And they say, if I plan, I'm going to piss somebody off. So I'd rather just have, have the world go the way it is. Everybody gets along. And when I'm dead, they'll deal with it, you know, which will be a disaster. 
Of course. But what are they going to do? Blame me? I'm dead. You well, know? the other problem so the that you run into is I didn't properly plan. They're not going to say, oh, I don't like the plan you did. They're going to say you obviously didn't plan at all. <laughs> so those are the two biggest reasons, Mike. One is prioritizing today versus tomorrow. And the second is making, and this was one example, there's numerous oh, my goodness, I'm sure. decisions you would have to make that are very difficult to make. Well, you point out something. And ironically, I had a meeting with a client yesterday, and, and I was using the example. I said, hey, I said, do you know who my most neglected client is? <laughs> they go, no. I'm like, this guy right here, because I worry about everybody else. Well, that's what you find a lot of times with business owners. Business owners concern themselves with the business, but not with themselves and the longevity of the business. And the reality of it is, particularly when you have a single business owner, the value of the business is predicated on that business owner being there. And if they don't begin the business succession plan, and I'm speaking from my personal experience, the more you get other people involved in the business, the more I can make myself expendable, the more valuable my business is, but no question. You, so what do you do to try to get that through the owner's minds? Well, look, every, every situation is different. There are, there are business, you know, you have the business that has multiple owners, two owners, one owner, then within the businesses that have one owner, you have businesses that have kids in the business that are ultimately going to become owners. Okay. And then, or, or, or another key worker, although that's less common. So the, the, the situations where there's a business owner, where the kids either are too young to be in the business, not equipped to run the business, or are never coming into the business, and there's no partners, you know, the business succession is either going to be that the person dies or gets sick, and in most cases, the family is going to get nowhere near the value that would have been received if somebody did something during their lifetime, or they're going to be fortunate enough to live long enough and reach retirement. And then you're right, if there isn't, if there isn't a management team in place, it's, it's going to require the business owner to stick around a while <clears throat> in order to make the transaction work. And then the case is, if you start figuring out, you know, I'm getting paid this amount of money after tax. I can't write off all this stuff I was writing off before, and I'm still involved with the business for three, four, five years. I could have just held the business for another three, four, five years, taken the money I could have made in the three, four, five years holding the business, and maybe I would have just as much money as I'm getting for selling the business if I'm working there anyway. So, so that's the, the, the sale of a business is another very complicated thing because of the way the tax laws work. Of course. It's very, and the amount of, we'll call it stuff, that the business owner puts through his business and doesn't pay for these things personally, <laughs> you know, you, it, when it, that realization hits the business owner, they're like, like, it doesn't even pay for me to sell the business between what I'm getting, unless you're in like some tech business that's paying you like, you know, 10 times your sales or, you know, yeah, yeah. some of these startup companies, those are great. But for the plain vanilla kind of businesses, you know, $10 million business that makes a million dollars, that's, you know, got 50 employees, you know, that's a traditional kind of business. <clears throat> at the end, sometimes when they look at the economics, it doesn't even look so great.
Yeah, it's funny you say that. And, and it, it, it is interesting because I do uh, notice that I need to follow my own recommendations that I give to my clients. <laughs> get, in, get your arms around. And, and, and Kyle and I were talking about this. Was it this morning? This probably. Morning. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about it. It's like, uh, because Kyle's part of my business succession plan, and we were having this discussion. He's like, Mike, you know, you tell your clients all the time to find out what their cost of living is so that we can project out whether they can retire, you know. And I was like, you know, and I got to figure the same thing out because you're right. Uh, business owners have a propensity to pass a lot of things through the business, business expenses, so to speak. So, Steve, uh, we're, we're up against a commercial break here. Um, so we'll be back with you in a moment, and uh, please stay tuned. We'll be back uh, in just one moment. Have you saved enough for retirement? Are you financially prepared for an emergency or unexpected event? Have you thought about your financial future? Hi, I'm Mike Manager, founder of Manager & Associates Financial Planning. For over 20 years, we have been answering our clients' questions just like these as we develop unique and comprehensive financial plans tailored to meet their needs. When addressing your financial plan, we incorporate your entire financial picture, including taxes, estate planning, as well as investment planning and retirement planning. So call us today for a complimentary, no obligation consultation. A unique approach to financial planning. Welcome back to Financial Planning Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, with my associate, Kyle Ryan, who is also a Certified Financial Planner. And we're here with our guest, Steve Goodman, who is a CPA and MBA. And the joke that we were just talking about during break is, I am a CFP and a psychologist. And I suspect, Steve, that you're a CPA, an MBA, and a psychologist. Do you find that you're having to apply personal psychology almost every day in your practice? 100%. You have to, you're a psychologist in life. You know, life, life makes you be that way. But certainly when you're dealing with clients that have a lot of emotional issues when it comes to their business and their families, yes, I'm not... I'm not a professional psychologist, but I guess I've gotten pretty good. Yeah. Well, we have to be, you know. And the thing is, too, is that uh, recognize, and I can speak from experience, you know, because it's taken me 21 years to build the business to where it is, and it's doing very well. It's my baby. And what you're talking about when you're dealing with business owners, it's their baby, and they have a hard time letting go of their baby, particularly when their name is on the door. So actually, yeah, exactly. So Steve, I'm kind of curious. You mentioned a couple different examples of family-owned businesses. You must work hand-in-hand -hand with a lot of different types of businesses, potentially in different industries. Do you find when you're learning the ins and outs of a business that your process is different for a family-owned business versus what Mike has here in which his successors are not a part of his family? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, family-owned businesses are more complicated because your, the transactions that you're looking at implementing have a, a familiar relationship involved. So it's not just business. Yeah. You know, you know there are very professionally run family-owned businesses where like everything's professional. It doesn't matter that you're the kid. 
but 99% of the time, you're still the child, there's mom, there's dad, and, and how you deal with those issues are much more emotional because the child may not have the money to buy you out, so it's going to come from the business, but it's your son or your daughter, so it's, it's, it's different. When you're dealing with somebody who's not, who's not family, then it becomes more of a pure business transaction. You know, like do the economics make sense for for the seller? Does the economics make sense for the buyer? Um, and you know, look, there could be some emotion because it could be an employee or somebody that that's been with you for a long time that you you know care about deeply. Uh, but it's still not the same thing as a child. You know, at the end of the day, you know, you, you're not necessarily spending you know Christmas, Hanukkah, Thanksgiving, you know, with that person like you are with your child. So it, it, it becomes a little bit simpler in that it's just pure business. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just to continue on with that question, would you find that different industries that you might work in are completely different in how their approach is to passing on their business? Sometimes it could be that way. It depends. Like there's businesses that require licenses, you know, like yeah. you could have a plumbing oh, contract yeah. or something and, and somebody has a license and the other person doesn't have a license and you need a license to be able to operate the business. So sometimes, or, or it's a minority run business because it's a woman who holds the license or somebody from a certain ethnic group that qualifies as a minority business and like, is the business going to get the same benefits? Like if I buy the business, Am I going to get the same opportunities that the current business is getting, even if I am licensed, because it may not be considered a minority-owned business anymore, and there's jobs that we were getting that we won't get anymore, and thus wow. I can't pay you yeah. the same multiple of your earnings, because I may not get that, because it's a different, it's the same business, but it's not going to be viewed the same way. That's yeah. a very interesting spin I never even considered. Yeah. So you brought up, by the way, here's another spin. I would imagine that you throw a divorce in there, it gets tricky. A divorce while the business is, is going on. And I, I just, I can only imagine. But you know, Steve, I'd like you to elaborate a little bit because you're throwing out these, these things that are just very commonplace, but beyond my just thinking about it, is the particular case where you have the three children, the son is in the business and he's the only person in the business. This is a challenge from a tax planning and an estate planning as well as a business succession planning. How do you do that? How do you, what do you do? What do you do in that case? Well, look, there's, the, the most important thing, Mike, that I always say is my job is to not tell you what to do. My job <laughs> is to tell you different ways you can do it, yeah. the pluses and minuses of the different ways. I mean, I may in the back of my mind in general or maybe specifically on a client kind of know which way I think makes the most sense. But I'm never going to say to a client, do this versus do this versus do this. So when you have a situation, let's say we have a kid in the business and you have a couple of kids not in the business. So what are our choices? Your choices are going to be, A, you're going to leave the business to your child in the business. And you're going to leave everything else equally to your three kids. And we, you know what the bad part of that is? Because unless that one child took the business from here to there, and, and so much of the value is because of that child, then it's easy to rationalize that because you could say, look, I brought my son or daughter in the business. 
had a $3 million business. I got a $50 million business now. I never would have gotten there without my son or right. daughter. That's so that my other kids could part of my French bitch and moan all they want. They don't really have a leg to stand on because their brother or sister came in and totally turned the business around. But that's usually not the case. It's usually that the business is already at a level that was built up by dad. And then if you're going to leave it just to that one son or daughter, the other two kids are going to say, you know, I don't get it, dad. Like, you know, you, the business was a $25 million business when Bill came in and it's still a $25 million. Why is he getting the whole business? And then dad's going to say, well, yeah, but I'm not going to give it to you guys. You don't know anything about the business. Right. Okay? And not only that, but so, the, the recipient, the son in, in that case is like, well, wait a minute. You know, they're getting one third of the business, number one. I don't want them owning one third of the business because they're not involved. And for two, it's not fair that they're getting one third of the business because they're not doing anything for the business. So I could right. see the dynamics right. of no one's going to be happy. Yeah, well, you just to keep extending on that. So like I said, the first scenario is I give the business to my kid and I leave everything else equally. We understand the problem there is that the other two kids are going to feel like that's ridiculous. You know, like my brother's getting this business that's the biggest asset. He didn't grow it, okay? So then the second choice is I'm going to give the business to my son and I'm going to take everything else and give it to my two kids so he doesn't get anything else. But again, there's probably not enough everything else to give to those two kids to make up for it. So then the third choice is I'm going to go buy a big life insurance policy, okay, and I'm going to leave it to my two kids who are not in the business, and that's going to be the way that I'm going to try to come up with more assets that I could leave to them tax-free right. so yeah. that, again, it may not be totally fair, but it's starting to get fairer. Fairer, okay? right. And the other choices are I leave the business a third, a third, a third. We know that's a disaster because then the business is controlled by two kids that aren't even involved in the business. I could leave the business a third, a third, a third, but give voting stock to the kid in the business. So now the business is a third, a third, a third. So if it's ever sold, they share it. But the one child controls everything. The problem there is that if this child grows the business, two-thirds of that growth is going to go to his brother and sister that don't have anything to do with the business. Okay. Number two, I could totally harm my brother and sister. Because if I control everything and it's an S corporation and the company makes two and a half million dollars of profit, I could just say I'm going to raise my salary to two and a half million dollars and pull all the money out of the right, business right, right. in control. And I could put all my perks through the business. And then I'm going to be in a war with my brother and sister because they're going to feel like dad left this business a third, a third, a third. Yes, you should get paid you know, $500,000 a year because you're running the business. But realistically, all the other profits should go a third, a third, a third. Dad didn't really design this, so you would just pull all the money out because then what's the sense of us owning a third of the business? Because unless we sell it, we're never going to get any benefit out of the business. So, so there's so many. Then another way to do it is a third, a third, a third, give the, the son or daughter voting rights, but have management agreements and contracts that stipulate what decisions that brother could make on his own. His salary is limited to a certain amount. He can only put it through a certain amount of perks in the business. If he sells the business, he can't then take back a big employment contract so that, you know, he would have had to give two-thirds to his siblings if he sold. So he takes a big employment contract back, reduces the price of the sale of the stock or the assets, which would have been split with his brothers and sisters, and basically end up in an, another way screwing them by trying to get more of the money to him. So it's like every one of these ways, there's no, like, that's the answer. So, like, I, 
I want to make sure, and there's other options, we don't have time, but I want to go through each of these in obviously more detail than I just did, but to make sure that they understand these are the ways to do it. And then at the end, if the guy says, look, Steve, I see there's no perfect way, you know, I'm going to go this. So then, then the next step comes, okay, he picked this way, whichever one of the ways is this way. Then I say to him, are you going to talk about this with your family or you're not going to say anything to them? And that becomes the next big part because then he realizes, goes back to what I said earlier, he realizes, I know, I know for sure that my son and daughter are not in this business and not 100% going to like this, okay? And I don't get along that well with my daughter-in-law to begin with, and I got grandkids, and I don't want to, you know, upset the ship, you know? So sometimes... They either never do it because they don't want to do it and not tell anyone, or they do it and don't tell anyone, and then when they die, everybody finds out, and then they could see, my dad actually did do planning. Like, this wasn't like everything goes a third, a third, a third, or simple will, right. that my dad didn't take the time to do anything. Like, I could see from these documents, my dad thought this thing out. I can't believe he thought this out and did it this way and never even told us, you know? And then, like, you have kids who, like, have animosity towards their deceased dad for the rest of their life. And then if mom's still alive, then they could take it out on mom because they think mom must have known about it, and then it could affect their relationship with mom. So you could just see how this could oh, become absolutely. Like, this is why people don't do this stuff, because it's hard and it's emotional and it's draining. Particularly when it's the family members. But you know it's interesting too? Steve, what you're talking about reminds me so much of estate planning. You know, but you're just talking about the business. But with estate planning, you know, you're talking about what you're going to be doing with these trusts, irrevocable trusts, testamentary trusts, and you know what you're going to have and allow, and what happens to death. Do you find yourself referencing the the son, for instance? You got the son, and then you got the wife who doesn't like you. Okay, you're the bad father-in-law, whatever the case. But fact of the matter is, is that I would also think that I could see you. Um, passing that business on in some form of irrevocable trust such that if there's ever a divorce, she doesn't get any of it. Do you find yourself using trusts for part of your uh, business continuity planning? I love trusts. I love trusts too. I mean, you know, I have a pretty complicated estate myself and I have so many trusts. You know, look, I don't make any, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't get a financial benefit whether somebody does a trust or doesn't do a trust. But I love trust because, you know, there's tax reasons to do trust. There's, there's non-tax reasons like lawsuits and ex-spouses and divorce. It, trusts are great. The biggest problem with trust is who's the trustee. That always becomes right. the issue. It's like you sit and you say, okay, I'm going to leave the business to my son in trust. But if I leave my son as trustee, then there really isn't a protection there, okay, because he's the trustee of his own trust. So who am I going to leave as the other trustee? Am I going to leave my other kids? So now, theoretically, my son's running the business, but he needs to ask his brother or sister approval to do things. That was the whole reason in the first place. I didn't want to give the stock to the kids who weren't in the business. So who do I find to be that independent trustee? Do I pick my lawyer? Well, yeah, well, my lawyer is a contemporary of mine. He's like my age. This trust right. could go around for 30 or 40 years. So I can't do my lawyer. My CPA is the same thing. Do I have a, is there a younger friend most of my friends are my age so like who am i going to find that could be that trustee for the next 30 right. or 40 years very hard to find and then if i go use a 
trust company like a Wilmington Trust or a Fessenden Trust or any, you know, then I'm dealing with like expenses and rigid rigidness. Like, you know, now these are professional trustees, like they do this for a living. You know, they're going to file. They don't want to get sued. So there's going to be a very rigid. Of course. Do I want to leave my my kids with that kind of rigid approach? So I love trust, you know, but the picking of the trustee and the, the successor trustees are the biggest challenge with trust. I'm sure. Steve, believe it or not, we're up against time. Steve, you are absolutely very knowledgeable in the subject. I think it's fantastic. Um, Thank you. Do me a favor. Um, you know, I, I would love for people to see this show and, and think of, wow, you'd be great. Do me a favor. Take a moment and give yourself a call at a 20-second, 30-second commercial as to how people can get a hold of you. Well, a few things. I have a, a website, stephengoodman.biz, where you could download for free a copy of my book on business succession planning, which I think anybody who's dealing with that would find it extremely informative. You could also go to my regular website, which is SHG Planning, where, um, Mike, as you mentioned, I have like you know close to 100 articles there on so many different subjects. Uh, my email address is sgoodman at shgplanning.com and cell number 516-297-7390. And Mike, I, I thank you for having me come on and you know, who knows, maybe we'll do it again. That's great. Steve, thank you very much for your time today. Wow, that was absolutely fantastic. The time went really, really fast <laughs> today. It's remarkable how many paths this could, this could go. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it touches on all the different areas of financial planning, the tax planning, the retirement planning. You know, the businesses have an extra layer of complexity as we see, and estate planning, there's all kinds of stuff. So you know, whether you own your own business uh, or know someone or has a family member, boy, I'll tell you what, business succession planning is a very important component of doing it, and plan sooner rather than later. Thank you for joining us this week. I look forward to uh, seeing you again next week. Have a great day and have a great week.